Hello and welcome to Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast for May 31st, 2019. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. Okay, so before I get to uh, this weekend's uh, previews and also some new fight announcements, there's quite a few of those, uh, I do have one new video up on the blog. And no, it is not a UFC video and it is not a WWE video. Uh, the video is for Hikaru Shida, Riho, and Ryo Mizunami versus Asia Kong, Sakura Emi, and Yuka Sakazaki from last Saturday's um, AEW show. Okay, so if you haven't heard, AEW is this new company uh, owned by the Khan family who also own uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, among other things. All right. And um, among those who are running this company is the son, Tony Khan, along with um, um, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Not a big fan of wrestlers running wrestling companies, okay? Because, you know, wrestlers are selfish. They're no different than anybody else. But that's what they're going to do. Now, they have a US TV deal with TNT, but... Uh, you know, I'm in Canada. I don't know if it's going to be on TV in Canada yet. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But they had a show last Saturday in Las Vegas. Uh, and uh, they're, they're, they've signed some, uh, a couple of Joshi Paresu wrestlers. And so they had a match kind of as a Joshi taster, you might say. It's a sampler, all right? So like I said, it was uh, Hikaru Shida, Riho, and Ryo Mizunami versus Asia Kong, Sakura Emi and Yuka Sakazaki. So most of you should be familiar with Asia Kong. This is what I found. Is a lot of people don't, don't know who any of the wrestlers are. So I'm just going to, for those who are not familiar with them, I'm just going to explain who they are quickly. Asia Kong, everybody knows her. She's been around for 25 years. Okay. Hikaru Shida is likely to be the big star out of this group because um, she has tons of charisma. Okay. She uh, started out as an actress in a uh, 2000 an eight uh, movie about Joshi Pare, so called Three Count. And Sakura Emi was also involved in that movie, and she talked Hikaru into training. And as it turned out, she's pretty damn good because she trains other wrestlers now. Okay, so she has signed with AEW, and she mentioned on Twitter that she's going to be moving to the US in the fall. You know, she's back in Japan now. Uh, Riho is. Um, a uh, 21-year-old wrestler. She's been a wrestler since she was a preteen. She was also trained by Sakura Emi at Ice Ribbon. And from what I understand, Kenny Omega really wanted Riho. Okay. Personally, I think she's a little too skinny. I mean, that's just me. I think she's too small. And the other problem that they might have with her is this is her first time away from home. And so they've signed her short-term. And if she starts to get homesick... And she might want to go home altogether. Uh, Ryo Mizunami is a uh, trainee of uh, Mako Satomura's Sendai Girls Company. Um, I don't think she signed. I think she was just brought in for this match. Uh, same thing with Sakura Emi, who has her own company to run back in Japan, which is Gato Move. Yuka Sakazaki, I know, was signed. Um, she uh, was trained at uh, DDT's uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro. 
Um, you know, she's one of those wrestlers who likes to fly around and they call her the magical girl and all that nonsense. She's green, okay? I don't think she's ready. But apparently Asia recommended her, so that's, that's it. Now, the first thing about this match, when you watch it, is the commentary is awful. It's, I want to take specific note of Jim Ross, who I don't believe should be the lead announcer of a wrestling company today. Listen, there's a reason why the WWE stopped using him. He did the 2017 May Young Classic. He just blew chunks. He was terrible. He admitted it, all right? Well, that's why they stopped using him. You know, if you're going to comment, if you do commentary on current product, you got to keep up with it. And he doesn't do that. He thinks he can get away with, you know, doing what he used to do, which is just reacting naturally. But if you, on a match like this, this Joshi match, he doesn't know the wrestlers. He can't say anything about them. All right? And, and if you'll notice, he doesn't say that much during this match. Mostly, uh, uh, you know, you got Alex Marvez, who probably talks too much, and Excalibur, uh, who uh, used to work for uh, uh, that Los Angeles company. I can't remember the name, but it doesn't really matter. The point is, the guy actually does do his homework, but I'm not a big fan of the three-man booth. Anyway, now, so they do need to do some research, all right? It's just not that difficult. So, um, now, like I said, Hikaru is going to be the star of this bunch because, you know, she can work and she has a lot of charisma. It's a beautiful girl. Now, we all know who Asia is and, and really, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you'll notice uh, the match itself is okay. It's fine. Uh, they picked it up at the end, and I think what they're going to find is that what they'll have to do is, um, like a lot of Japanese matches, when you do them in Japan, you've got 20, 25 minutes to do these type of matches, okay? And you can start them with a slow build and then build into a uh, much more uh, quick pace uh, you know, later in the match. They're not going to get 20, 25 minutes on these kind of matches. They're going to get maybe 10 minutes if they're lucky. Okay? So they need to pick it up a lot quicker. So that's the only thing. And the other thing I'm sure you'll notice is that they rang the bell prematurely towards the finish. Um, I don't really know why they did it. What it was is that... Uh, um, what it was is Sakura Emi uh, did a... Did a um, something, I can't remember, I watched this match the other day, did something at the end to Karushita. Karu kicked out, but the bell rang anyway. And so the ref did a good job, actually. The ref made sure the match continued, and then they did the finish where her Karu um, got the pinfall on Sakura Emi. So this is the type of match we see time wasters like this in Japan all the time. The, the match didn't really do anything for any of the wrestlers, though I thought they, as like I said, I thought they picked it up at the end. Now, as for AEW, the pay-per-view cost 50 bucks, okay? And I, I, I just didn't feel it was worth it, uh, especially uh, last Saturday night, you know, it was game seven of the Toronto Raptors versus the Milwaukee Bucks, so I'm going to watch that. So now I might have bought it for 25 but, you know, the way I feel about it is maybe they shouldn't charge anything until they are on TV. You know, use it as a promotional vehicle instead of a cash grab, right? Now, uh, one thing I heard, by the way, is that after the timekeeper screwed up, Asia Kong yelled at him. 
<laughs> anyway, as I said, EA, AEW is on TNT in the US. TNT is not available in Canada. I really don't know who's going to buy it here. Well, there was talk the other day that they approached TSN about buying it, and TSN supposedly didn't say no. Okay? I don't see TSN picking it up. First of all, fans don't remember what it was like back in the 90s for, for both WWE and uh, WCW. Uh, TSN carried both Raw and Nitro. And at first, when Raw started in 1994, they carried it on tape delay. Okay, They usually showed it the next day or something like that. And then later on, they started showing it live. In the case of Nitro, because it was on at the same time, they never showed it live. It was always on tape delay, usually the next weekend. So, you know, look, if they're not going to show it live, find somebody who will show it live. And, and I just don't think they're going to find anybody, quite frankly. Okay? And, and, I, and if I can't watch the weekly show, I'm not going to buy their pay-per-views. But what I will do is post Joshi matches for fans who can't watch AEW either. Okay? So check out the video. Uh, it took a couple of days to find it, but it wasn't that big a deal. All right. Now, uh, I want to do a, a quick preview of a couple of shows this weekend. First, let's talk about... Uh, ESPN, UFC on ESPN plus 11 at the Ericsson Globe Arena in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, this uh, show will be on ESPN plus in the US and in Canada it's on UFC Fight Pass. TSN is not carrying these fights. Okay, They are not carrying these shows. There's about half a dozen uh, European shows that they aren't carrying. Okay, the, from what I understand, uh, the show will begin, uh, the prelims, at 10 a.m. Okay, there's two women's matches on the show. Neither match is what I would call particularly interesting. Uh, they're, they're on this show because uh, there are Swedish fighters, uh, you know, in both matches. The first match is um, at bantamweight. It is Tanya Evinger versus Lena Landsberg. And uh, Lena is from Sweden, Malmo, Sweden. She trains with um, uh, former UFC fighter Akira Karasani. Uh, her record is 8-4. and four. She's, uh, She just isn't very good, okay? She's, she was, a, before, she was a, a kickboxer in Europe before she got into MMA. She's known as the Elbow Queen. So she did some MMA. She got into the UFC uh, as a Chris Cyborg sacrifice. And... You know, she's uh, been around since then. I, I think it's coming to a point now that if she loses another fight, they could very well release her. Um, she's just not effective. Even when she's won a couple of fights, and I think she's like two and four or something like that, even when she's won a couple of fights, she just hasn't looked good. Uh, her big problem is, uh, you know, she may be good as a kickboxer, but the stuff she does as a kickboxer isn't very effective in MMA. Okay, Tanya, of course, is a veteran fighter. She's been around for years. She's like a, an MMA, women's MMA pioneer. But, you know, she's 0-2 in the UFC, all right? She's had knee surgery over the last couple of years. And so, you know, she's, they're both pretty old. Like, they're in their late 30s. Tanya, I think, is a little bit older. And so she's getting to a point where maybe it's time to go. She's very tough. But 
you know, I don't think she's a good, she's a, a good fighter anymore, okay? Now, she really needs a win, okay? She's 0-2 in the UFC, and she, they could very well release her if she loses here. I actually think she'll win this fight because it's one of those things where it's not who's better, it's who's worse. And at least Tanya, I know she's capable of finishing a fight. I just don't know if she's capable of finishing a fight anymore, okay? All right. The other uh, fight, uh, which is uh, also on the prelims, it is at featherweight. It is uh, Bia Malecki versus Duda Santana. Now, these two are very inexperienced. So Bia Malecki is also from Sweden. She's a, a Swedish native. And she was on Tough 28 for the featherweights. And it just shows you how desperate they were to find somebody, anybody, for Tough 28 because she's only had one fight. She's 1-0. and oh. And uh, this is basically her UFC debut. She was supposed to have a fight a while back and it got canceled for some reason or another. I think she got injured. Uh, but, you know, she lost in the first round of Tough 28. So, you know, I don't know if she's any good or not, but she's, you know, she's, you know, pretty green at this point. Okay, so... We'll see. The other fighter, Duda Santana, is kind of in the same position. She's from uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, her record uh, is 3-0. and um, Now, she was supposed to be on the Brazilian Dana White Contender Series last summer. And unfortunately, she got injured and she was forced to, to drop out. And so, I mean... She's only done the three fights at the Brazilian regional circuit. So for me, she, they gave her a contract in spite of the fact, and I think it's because she's a featherweight, right? Because they're very um, uh, low in featherweights and they're going to continue the division. They kind of have to have some new featherweights. So that's, uh, that's the fight. So I don't know. I'm not all that familiar with either fighter. So who the heck knows? Okay. The other big show tomorrow night is going to be uh, WWE NXT TakeOver in um, Stanford, Connecticut, of all places. Oh, right down the street from the WWE headquarters. So, uh, the big match on this show is, uh, uh, for me anyway, is Shayna Baszler defending the NXT Women's Championship against Io Shirai. And uh, it's not the main event of the show, but it could, if they give them enough time and if the WWE allows them to, this fight, this match can steal the show because both of them can work, right? And they know each other because they faced each other in Japan, okay? So uh, I, I think it has the potential to be a great match. Now, the only thing is I expect shenanigans, okay? So why do I expect shenanigans? Well, of course, Shayna is going to have uh, uh, Jessamyn Duke and uh, Marina Shafir in her corner, and EO is going to have uh, Candice LeRae in her corner. Could there be more to that? Well, you never know, right? <laughs> I, I, like I said, there might be a surprise or two in this match. It wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. I, I wouldn't shock me at all. And, um, you know, uh, the, the, the big question I've had is, when is Shayna Baszler going to be moved up to the main roster? 
Or, in fact, is she staying at NXT permanently? Uh, that's what we don't know. Because at some point, EO should win that title. And it might be uh, tomorrow. I don't know. But I expect it to be a hell of a match. By the way, there's no conflict here because, like I said, the UFC show is on in the afternoon, or in this case, the morning. And uh, this show is on 7 p.m. in the evening. So that's going to be on the WWE Network, for those of you who uh, do or don't get it. Okay, now we have some new fight announcements that I want to talk about. Uh, first of all... Uh, uh, the other day, uh, Rafael Mourinho of Combat reported that uh, Taylor Santos versus Ashley Evans-Smith has been added to UFC on ESPN Plus 14 August 10th at the Antel Arena in Montevideo, Uruguay. How about that? This is their first time UFC is going to Uruguay. Now, this fight is at flyweight, and now my guess is, by the way, that we'll see a lot of Brazilians on this show. Now, Taylor is 25 years old from Santa Catarina, Brazil. She trains at Astra Fight Team. She was on the Brazilian Dana White Contender Series. Her record is 15-1, and one, and she lost her UFC debut to Mara Romero Barella by split decision. Now, Taylor is a striker. She lost because she allowed Mara to tie her up on, in the clinch on the fence. And, I mean, it's not like Mara is a world beater or anything like that. Now, Ashley is 31 years old from Lake Forest, California. She is a teammate of Carla Esparza at Team Oyama. Her record is 6-4 and four and 3-4 and four in the UFC. She's 1-1 one one as a flyweight. And like Carla, Ashley was a wrestler in college. Now, in my opinion, Ashley has been a disappointment. Okay, she hasn't looked good even when she has won, and she has had injury problems. And in her last fight, Andrea Lee just outworked her and won the first two rounds. And then her corner lied to her, told her she was doing okay. You know, by the time she got her act together in round three, it was too late. Now she could be on the chopping block uh, because she just hasn't looked good. But uh, I guess you can tell I don't really much care for either fighter. Okay. All right, let's now. Uh, John Morgan of MMA Junkie uh, reported that Aspen Ladd versus Jermaine Durandami has been added to UFC on ESPN Plus 13, July 13 at Golden One Center in Sacramento. Now, this fight is at Bantamweight and will be the main event of the show. I'm already hearing complaints about that, but I'll get to that in a minute. Now, the fight has been verbally agreed to. Now, the UFC is waiting on signed bout agreements. Now, because of the current bantamweight rankings, the UFC is limited as to what they can do with Aspen. Okay? So they need a top 10 or preferably a top 5 opponent for her. Okay? Aspen on Twitter was suggesting a match with Yana Kunitskaya because Yana had called her out a while back. But at number seven, Yana uh, probably isn't ranked high enough for a main event. So that's the problem they have. They want to do this as a main event. Okay, they want to do this as a main event, but uh, Yana at number seven probably isn't high, highly enough ranked, which is too high, by the way. Now, did you know that Jermaine Durandami is currently the number one ranked bantamweight? Well, neither did I until I looked it up, okay? 
And anyone who reads my blog or listens to this podcast knows that I pay no attention to rankings. But in this case, I knew that the only reason for this fight was that Jermaine is ranked way too high. Now, yes, she once held a title, but it was after a bogus featherweight title shot when the UFC needed a title match on a pay-per-view when Chris Cyborg was unavailable. And after Jermaine won the title, and by the way, the match was awful, that Jermaine, and after the, after the, afterwards, Jermaine gave up the title when she refused to fight Cyborg. So the whole thing was nonsense, okay? Now, Jermaine is from the Netherlands. She's a police officer when she's not a fighter, okay? And basically her deal is she's a great kickboxer. I mean, she's a legend kickboxer, but she is a mediocre MMA fighter at best, okay? She has no ground game. Okay, now Jermaine did win her latest fight over Raquel Pennington, but Raquel didn't look like herself, and Jermaine still only eked out a win, so she didn't look that good. Okay, now she had, did have a problem with her hand uh, uh, when she fought for that title, and she's had surgery on that, so she's okay now. So, I mean, I, again, we're seeing complaints that this, is, that this match is a main event, okay, and, and the problem is. In my opinion, Jermaine should not be ranked number one, okay? You know, we all know that the rank UFC rankings are complete nonsense, okay? But when they have to, they will use them to make matches, and that's what they've done here. And, and I guess, like I said, their problem is they are, they are a little limited as to what they can do. Who would I rather see her face? Obviously, Ketlin Vieira would be a good choice. Now, that is worthy of a main event, okay? But she's already booked for something else, okay? So, um, you know, I, I can understand the complaints if you're are basing it on, you know, the fact that Jermaine is probably ranked too high. Completely agree with that. But that's where she's ranked, okay? And, and I, you know, if you're complaining because a women's bout is a main event, well, you need to get over that and stop being a misogynist, all right? Anyway, Aspen... And the problem that Jermaine has here is Aspen is an elite fighter. She is 24 years old. She trains at MMA Gold in El Dorado Hills, California. She is now 8-0. All right. Now, Sajari Eubanks, in her last fight, she gave her a tough fight. But I think a lot of that was that the two had fought before, and Sajari knew she had to be more aggressive than usual. You know, Aspen showed her composure in round one, and then she almost finished Sajari in round two. So, you know, though Jermaine is ranked higher... I don't think she's any better than Sajari, she's probably worse. And Aspen will want to make a statement with a finish. So I don't think Jermaine really has the skills. I don't see it going five rounds, but you never know. You never know. Okay, now we have one other, now this, we have one other fight to announce, which is a big one, all right? And um, what, we have, uh, or is it two more? I think it's actually two more, no, one more. We have another fight to talk about here, and that is at, on um, uh, Thursday night, uh, UFC president Dana White told ASPN's Brett Okamoto that Chris Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer has been added to UFC 240 July 27th at the Rogers Arena in Edmonton. So this will be the co-main event. So I've been asked why this is not for an interim featherweight title since... Um, uh, Amanda Nunez is busy 
defending the uh, bantamweight title. And the easy answer was confirmed by Cyborg's Twitter. This is the final fighter for UFC contract. There is no point to an interim title. All right. Now, I, now she hired Adi Attar to negotiate a new contract for her. But this announcement tells me they weren't able to come to terms. Okay. I thought there were, uh, back when she lost, back in December, people were pretty sure she was going to leave after her next fight. Because she hired Adi Attar, who also represents Conor McGregor, to, um, to negotiate for her, I was not so sure. Okay? I thought possibly that Adi would be able to uh, you know, work something out, but they weren't able to come to terms. So here's the problem that, that we have here. Her whole UFC run was built on beating up bantamweights. Okay? When UFC bantamweight champion Amanda Nunez moved up to featherweight and KO'd Cyborg in round one, Cyborg's aura of invincibility is gone, okay? It showed that she couldn't beat a competitive opponent, all right? Even her coach, Jason Perillo, Cyborg's coach, Jason Perillo, admitted that she fought like an idiot. So here's the question. Why would the UFC pay her like that loss didn't happen? So I'm sure Cyborg wants a lot more than the UFC thinks she's worth. And, you know, she could get some of that aura back with a win over Felicia. Now, wasn't Felicia the underdog in her fight against Megan Anderson? How'd that go? So I expect the same idiots to underestimate, I'm seeing it already, to underestimate Felicia for, for this fight. I'm seeing it already. Haven't you guys watched her yet? You know? Anyway, so unlike most of Cyborg's UFC fights, I don't expect this to be easy for her. Okay. Felicia has already shown that she's an elite fighter on the ground. You know, she's, un, she's, she's undefeated. Uh, now, she's on this show because she's born in Canada. She actually is, grew up in Florida, okay? So she's not really Canadian. So she's an elite fighter on the ground. You all saw what she did to Megan. If she can take Cyborg down, she can finish her. She's that good. I mean, I've watched all her fights. So I know what you're thinking. Couldn't Cyborg KO Felicia? Did you know that Chris Cyborg has never KO'd an opponent? All her wins were TKOs over undersized, inferior, inferior, inferior opponents. Okay? She wins fights with volume. She doesn't even punch that hard. She just throws a lot of punches. That is the shootbox style, by the way. Okay? Typified by, you know... Uh, typified by Wanderly Silva, okay? He fought like that too. Okay, so when she tried to do the same thing with Amanda Nunez, you know, what happened? Amanda knocked her out because Amanda is a much harder puncher than Cyborg, okay? If she underestimates Felicia, the same thing could happen, okay? Because Felicia is a really good fighter, okay? That's the bottom. She's a really good fighter. That's the bottom line on that. Okay? So, that's about it for today. Uh, I'll be back on Sunday with uh, the videos for uh, the uh, NXT TakeOver match and also the two UFC uh, matches.
Um, again, don't forget to check out my latest video from uh, last week's AEW show, uh, frankp316.blogspot.com. If you have any uh, questions or comments, you can leave a message on Anchor's voicemail system. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so at Google Play Music, Google Podcast, iTunes, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights, and we'll talk to you Sunday. Have a good weekend.